0: Um, we're going to break down uh, the words together this morning. Okay? We're going to look at Jesus and his character. We're going to look at John uh, chapter 10. <clears throat> um, that's the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Okay? So we know the end of the story, right? There's so much I know, I like in my life to rush to the success story, to the best bit. Yeah, 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 but hear me. Yeah, 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 to fix the financial situation. Yeah, 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 but heal that relationship that is like an open i that is completely broken and such, like back in my life. Yeah, 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 can we just get to the good bit, please? I'm going to get this, can we get to the good parts, guys? But in the Bible, if you do that, you're going to miss so much. Yes, we have a victory. Yes. Everything is going to be okay. Can I just speak that into your Everything is going to be okay. There is a person called Jesus who loves you. Every aspect of your life, every tragedy, everything that has happened to you isn't right, he is going to work it out. But that doesn't mean you just jump to that part. There's a process in his wisdom. I don't own Actually, I have never liked the process. i had serious disagreements with him about the process to get. We have all these religious work and people are actually like, the victory. You know, we have all these. But let's be honest. We have to live in the middle of it. Yeah? And that's what we're going to look at today. I'm going to look at that story, but we're going to stop before we get to the good part. Okay? Are you with me? The terms of person's and say, I don't like this. The it to just to the quiet ceremony of the child. I feel very comfortable. I like it's the normal way. It's better to go back. Okay, so I'm going to, we're going to uh, end. We have some, some lonely assistants this morning. Uh, no expenses and spares. They're paying huge amounts of money. They're not going No, they're not. Okay, so I'm going to invite Naomi. I think Naomi oh, okay, Terry's going to do the first one. We're going to look at the first section of that story, and then we're going to break it down and go through verse by verse. Don't worry, we will not be here till six o'clock. I am a man. I am efficient. We will be out here. We will be at the best part Sunday. We'll the copy at the end of the chat. We will get to that, okay? Brilliant. Okay, Terry. Do you want to hold it or do you want to put it in there?
1: No man named Lazarus is sick. He was from Bethany, to the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus is now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love the sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed very well two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up.
2: His disciples replied,
1: Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him.
0: Um, I really like in the traditional churches when people read the Bible that the whole congregation declares like this is the word of the Lord because there's power in the Bible not there. these words have purpose and they can set people free which was a great testimony this morning to hear you thomas and sometimes you know you can get overly two ways academic about us or emotional about us. but the best thing is the bible is real and true and breathing and we pray this morning lord that as we read these words The truth of who you are, the truth of what you have done for us and for the rest of humanity will be seen. Amen. Amen. So let's go back to the first verse. um, and then we'll work through that section and go to the next. Don't worry, we'll do that like first. Grant, so something about this this is from the book of John, okay? John was a disciple, he walked with Jesus actually when you see the epistles he was the one who lived the longest and he was like the grandfather of the early church he um, was such a champion of people each one of the gospels in particular was written with a different angle so let's talk about a family and talk about a, imagine a christmas dinner and there's a fight and you want to get the different angles of what happened so mom's seen it one way dad's seen it another way auntie's seen it another way and the child's seen it another way You kind of can look at the gospels like that so matthew for example matthew was written to the jews so everything in it is about proving that jesus is the messiah to the people who are waiting for the messiah john is different john is written to people who are seeking the lord thinking about following the lord and people who are walking with jesus who are who want to walk with jesus so everything here is about proving that he was this miraculous savior So, in the previous chapters, I know Rob spoke last week about chapter nine where he healed the blind man. He's like a crescendo. The way he builds it, it's like, I'll heal one person, I'll heal another person. Healings are getting bigger and bigger. And this is the crescendo where he brings someone back from the unthinkable, from death. He brings someone back. And the whole reason this story is told is with that in mind. The whole reason is to prove that he is a miraculous god who can do who can conquer everything who can conquer every issue in our lives everything right that arises so it's set in a small town in Judea it talks if you read the first bit it tells us quite clearly that Lazarus was sick he was from the town of Bethany he had a two sisters Mary and Martha and Mary you'll hear about later, she's the woman who uh, poured the perfume on Jesus' feet. Um, it, it describes that if you know the language, that the, they knew Jesus, they were friends. The town of Bethany was like um, a commuter town. People stopped there all the time. It's likely, when you look at, if you look at the bigger picture, so you're zooming in out and you zoom out and you know history, he would have stayed with them an awful lot they would have been like a second family to him. So it's not like, you know, an acquaintance, he knew them. No, he was family to them. The fact that they knew where to set at, like, go and send a message to, like he was a close family friend. He was a member of their family. And so they knew where he was, they knew what he could do, and they asked him for help. They were polite about it so they didn't say come get over here now it's an emergency they knew he was going to die they did it politely because they had a respect for him they knew he had the ability to be a healer but they also knew that it says in scripture there jesus had been in the area recently and they tried to kill him they loved him enough They knew they were going to put his life in danger by asking him to come back, but they were desperate enough for his help that they were willing to ask him for help. Now think about that. They knew everything that it would cost them, but they were desperate for his help. Sometimes I'm not desperate enough for God's help. I'm not desperate enough. I want to handle it myself. I want to be able to, I can handle this, I don't need his help. And this is like from people who knew him who were their best friends, Like, I'll tell you, the whole period of our life that happened the last few years, I don't like to ask for help. But way to go to a situation where you're so overwhelmed that there's no way you can even survive that. It's very humbling. It's incredibly uncomfortable. But just have a think. Is there anything in your life that you need help with, but you're not comfortable asking him for it? Or the people around you? So it's an interesting thing. It says there, right, that the messenger came and it made it clear, he loved Lazarus. And then the next line is, but he decided to wait for two days. If you love me, would you not get your behind moving? It's a funny way to to, to say the sentence. Uh, He loved them, but then he decided to wait two days. He loved them, But you can imagine, you know, Mary and Martha may be way more holy than me, but I'd be like, you love me, but you wouldn't move. You love me, but you wouldn't get moving. Doesn't seem like love, does it? But Jesus seems to have a deeper, a deeper, um, like he knows everything's going to play in. And he knows what's going to happen. I'll just read five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, verse six. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And only then, after the two days, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judah. Now, that's a... There's a lot of things that can come from that, right? But can you imagine waiting for him to move? You're you know, you're not actually that far away. It's actually only about two miles away. Like, you could have moved, but you chose not to. Just think, like, have there been times in your life where you felt God hasn't moved for you? And I don't know about you, but when that happens, I feel bitterness sets in in my heart. But scripture tells us, like, there's no life in bitterness. And if he is the saviour, if he is our Lord, then we have to trust him that he knows. So Jesus, like, we know the end of the story, but let's be human about it. Mary and Martha didn't. All they knew was that their brother had died. The reality is, when you add up the days, Lazarus actually died the day the messenger left to go find him. So he had died... And they knew that he could heal. They knew that he could do this. But they don't know the end of the story. So they're just left in their grief. And there's things like grief. Okay, Lazarus is dead. We all experience death in our lives. But there's also other, like, grief can be about other situations. Grief can be about broken relationships. Unexpected, unmet goals or dreams. My life isn't how I thought it would be. My, what I had wanted, what I had trusted God for hasn't played out. Grief can set in from that. It can be based around career. It can be based around family. Every person in this room will experience grief of different measures outside of physical death. But we're taught in where we are in in a Western country, just uh, power three, move it on, get over it. But there's space there in understanding God, that he sees that, and he wants to meet you where you're at. And we don't always know what the end of the story is, but we know who his character is. I don't understand what he was doing, but I know who he is, and I'm willing to trust him in that. I don't always understand what he's doing, but I know his character. And the purpose of going through these verses is highlighting who Jesus is. He he loved them. He didn't not care, but he had a purpose. So Jesus said to his followers, let's go. But they didn't really understand that. They were gripped by fear in this section. They said, but if we go back there, they're going to kill you. But really they meant they're going to kill me. Because if you're associated with them, you're going to get stoned as well. And a couple of weeks before, they tried to arrest them, They tried to throw stones at them, And they're like, yeah, even Thomas is kind of being sarcastic. He's a bit like, yeah, let's go. But we're all going to die with him as well. Fear can set into our lives. The decision to finally go to Judea must have been frightening to Jesus' disciples. Throughout the story, we have learned of the growing tension surrounding Jesus' con- um, contact with all the religious leaders. He'd been tried to be stoned, tried to be arrested in the previous chapters, and a few months after this, they, they tried to come and get him again. Thomas, who's known in all the stories as someone who was like, him. Um, you know, dating Thomas. He's he's uh he's trying to like show their faith and be like, yeah, we'll go with any throws in the sarcastic. Imagine, they do they live and that's shows, they're living, breathing people who have fears and have comedy as well. John, if you want to read the gospel of John, like if you get the language, it's funny. He throws in these things. Like even Thomas's comments. Yeah, we'll go. We're all gonna die though. The others were like don't go, don't go, don't go, shut up, shut shut up, shut up, just sit with them things for a minute, they even didn't understand Jesus, in that scripture they're talking about, he's asleep, and he had to be like, I'm talking, he's like, he kind of goes, they're like, yeah, but sleep will make it better, he's like, don't be so thick, I'm talking that he's dead, I'm speaking spiritually here, he had to wake them up, even that, these people who walked with Jesus, got confused, made mistakes, and misunderstood him, I think in church culture, if we can acknowledge, sometimes I misunderstand the Bible, I misunderstand friendship, I make mistakes. We're supposed to stand up here, and I'm supposed to, like the Bible says. But I've learned over the years, sometimes I'm human, and I make mistakes, and I interpret it wrong. And we need to give each other grace, and be like this flexibility here. We're not saying the Bible isn't real, we're not saying Jesus isn't true, but there's space to say, I've kind of changed my views and my beliefs on things. Because if the people who lived and walked with Jesus made mistakes and misunderstood him, do you think maybe we could misunderstand him? Yeah? Do you think we are open? I'm even saying, like even when we're talking, this is what I feel the Lord is saying, you, to. this is what the Lord is saying. It brings in humility it brings in a knowledge that i am human the only infallible magnificent true no mistake person is god the rest of us are like just trying to do the best we can with ears open and soft hearts amen so we'll move on to the next section Leone's going to reach for us. And so we've moved from Jesus heard about Lazarus. He waited. Then he decides to go. His followers don't get it at all. And then they move towards. This is where he goes to Judea. And then, hello, go to. Uh, you're fine. You're good. Uh, well, they go to Judea and he meets with Mary and Martha in their pain, in their grief, in their unmet reality that their brother is dead, Jesus could have come and healed him and he didn't.
2: Um, On his arrival Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? have kept this man from dying. This is the word
0: of the Lord, amen. Amen. So, here we go. I love how real it is. If you can, we wouldn't be in this mess. You know, um, sometimes, like, we do have to have a reverence for God and for Jesus. But it's deeply personal. You are free, please trust me when I say this, to bring all your questions, all your anger at God. He's able, he's able for it. He can take it. He didn't. There's no correction. He didn't go, how dare you speak to me? Rose of God, do you know who I am? I will come when I please. There's none of that. He comes and meets us. He knows they are going to be disappointed with him. He knows if you are disappointed with him. Sometimes we're so in the spiritual realm, we're like, praise God, Jesus, yes, um, even in our pain, we give the Sunday school answers. We don't actually engage with how we're feeling in our heart. So we just keep busy because if we stop, we'll feel the feelings that we don't want to feel. We will feel the anger, the pain, the urgh, you know, and it's like a house of cards. Sometimes you're afraid if you you give, if you start being true about what you're feeling, everything will come down, you'll be left with no faith. Can I just say today, that's not true. That God holds you and God is bigger than your questions and your hurt and your disappointments. And I can say that as someone who has a rake load of hurts and disappointments. I'm not speaking like me and you, okay? It's us. You can choose the walk with God that you want to have. You can have a real, authentic, fractured, bumpy walk with God where your honesty comes in, or you can live at that surface, never engaging, and I get that. I get that sometimes it's too painful. and that's not judgment. But I just wanna say, if you want to have that authentic, if you can, he would be still here type of relationship with Jesus, you can have it. And it doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that you're not trusting God. It means he is bigger than all our questions, amen? And that's my favorite part of this. We'll go into what each thing meant, but that's my favourite part—that he was able for her, answers. he was—he wasn't disgusted by her disobedience or her—not her loyalty. He just let her speak. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened, because he recognises she doesn't know the end of the story. He does, but she doesn't. And is there room for her, for her, her truth and her brokenness, and our truth and brokenness? Some things have become really clear when you're reading this. So you're like, why did he wait four days? It tells that four days in the tomb. In Jewish culture, there's a thing, Shiva is a customs for, for, for grieving. And there was a belief that if the soul floated around the body for three days, waiting to enter it back in. Now this isn't, that was just a custom that they all would have held to. So he knew, Jesus knew, if he had come earlier, people would say, Oh, he would have just he was just sleeping. He wasn't really dead, dead. Okay. He was just sleeping. So his purpose was greater than what Mary and Martha had wanted. They were going to get what they wanted, but he knew more. He knew that he wanted people to know what was happening for the glory of God. So he, it seems like in the previous verse, why he wait? And if he loved them, why did he wait two days? He waited so that people could definitely say, like Lazarus is definitely gone. He wasn't just unconscious. Uh, he didn't leave, and his soul went back into the body. He was gone, and gone. Okay. So his purpose in the, he had purpose in his waiting that no one else understood, but he knew. And sometimes there's purpose in our waiting that we don't understand. Now that's very painful when you're the one waiting. When it's your pain. It's very, it's, it's easy for me to say this, but when you're in it, it's very painful. The other thing about the waiting was, because the three days have come the whole custom like we we are in western society and we grieve i don't know about yourselves and your culture but here um grief can it's kind of communal for a few days but then it's deeply personal if anything you're like get everybody out of my house i just need to our funerals are very quick you you know go to your home then everything happens people come from the wake you see everybody they might be around the house they bring dinner but then after the funeral you're kind of left alone and I personally like that, <laughs> but in Bible times, uh, it wasn't like that. There were, I think, six or seven days, or even a year, full of customs that you did. On that week, you know, on the first four days, everybody, every cousin, aunt, neighbor, cousins from over, like far away, would travel to come and sit in your house and not leave, not leave, sit on a small stool. They had wail, like you wail, like there was no. It was like a full-on community event. Everybody grieved this loss. So Mary and Martha were surrounded by these people in their house. No one, like everybody brought your food. You, you just wept. And your house was open. And it was full of everybody and anybody. And you had no moments. There was a large crowd there. Jesus' waiting had a purpose. Because he needed that crowd. Because he wanted them to be there when he r- rose from the dead and his purpose, it says they're all like, they're even the, a bit like Job, you know, like, yeah, he's here, you can do anything. Well, if he was here, he should have been here earlier. Like, you know, the humanness of it. Everybody has something to say. Everybody will have opinion on, what you're, on your situation. But Jesus is the one who knows what the truth is and where the victory will be. So don't be deterred when people have opinions and say stuff. And even if they're agreeing with you, it doesn't make it right. Mary and Martha did say, if you had been here, so they were agreeing, it, it doesn't make it right. But he knows. He needed all this. He meets Mary on the outskirts of the village. And he, he is moved. Oh, he's Martha, sorry and the oldest daughter. And uh, he meets her and lets her have her questions. He asks her an interesting question, right? Um, if you'd been here, he asks her, like, do you believe? But she kind of misses the whole point of the question. He says to her, your son will rise again. But Martha misses the point of what he's saying. She gives him the Sunday school answer and she goes, yes, on the day of resurrection, he will be here. So it's kind of normal that we kind of default into our religious background, the Sunday school answer. Your, your brother will rise again, Martha says, he will rise. Yes, on the day of resurrection, but she misses the point. Again, another example that we miss the point a lot. if if she was Jesus' friend and she missed the point, why am I not going to miss the point and get bogged down if you have all my issues? There's a point, and I read different commentaries when I'm studying, and I like to read the African Bible commentary because all our other stuff are like one perspective, and it says this. Martha's response was good. Yes, we will all rise in the resurrection, but did not fully recognize what Jesus had said. He was not asking Martha who he was, because he knew who he was, but what she believed about his ability to deal with her situation. What is our belief about Jesus' ability to deal with what's going on in your life? What is your belief in? Jesus' ability to meet you where you're at and what's going on in your life. Mary then enters the scene. She comes along with her crowd, all the mourners. So Martha goes back and says, Jesus wants to see you. So she meets outside. and so she picks up and she goes, but she doesn't go in a row, she brings her whole, you know, like. I kind of had it in my notes which you might get a bit of pimp my funeral ride her whole crowd it wouldn't be like just so people run like she just gets up and runs they're real emotional because there's wailers there's even they used to rent flute players so can you imagine that whole on mass coming to me, jesus like a huge like like a festival like a, and a huge disorderly crowd of wailers and mourners and hurting people rushing to Jesus to accuse him of everything he hasn't done for the net. He's not deterred by it. That's kind of a little bit how I see society sometimes. A lot of people who don't believe in God or don't follow God, which I completely understand because hurt and pain stops you doing that. It's not a judgment. but They can, they can lift everything, a huge crowd. He don't hate, he's awful, he hates these people, he he's And Jesus just stands. He can take it. Don't, don't be worried. He, he can handle it. He knows the end of the story. He knows what he's doing. We just need to trust him. When Jesus sees and hears the wailing, he's moved powerfully. But there's confusion in how they translate this phase in verse 33. Oh, let me go. Give me a second while I get it up. Um, We translate it, it says it in verse 33, meaning in the spirit is tearing up, but we use that. In the words, Jesus' deepest self. He was deeply moved by all the wailing and the pain that was expressed. It's a Greek word, um, I I don't speak Greek, I won't even try. Just trust me, that's the word. If you're Greek, you'll get it, if you know Greek again. In classical Greek, this word actually describes the snorting of a horse in war. But for humans, it describes outrage, anger, and fury. The problem is when we translate things, we miss the meaning. So he was deeply moved. And that's kind of like, oh, that was nice. He felt bad for them. But the reality is, is that he was, an, he was angry. It, it indicates an outburst of anger. Um, and it was not passive. But he wasn't angry in the context of the sentence. He wasn't angry at the people. It says, He wasn't angry at Mary or Martha or the the mourners. Rather, he's overcome by the futility of the sorrowful scene, the pain. And Jesus is angry at death itself and the devastation that death and hurt bring. So he's not just moved. He's angry that death has power in this world. That pain has power. He is angry and devastated for the things that have happened to you. He isn't just moved. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He's angry that this has happened to you. He's not angry with you. He's angry at the situation that you've had to experience this. And he joins you in that. You have, you know, the scripture tells us we don't have a high priest who's separate. He's fully human. He's fully God. He knows every pain that you have, and he is real for you. So just hear that, he, he's, he's with you in your pain, and he's angry that you have to have that pain. And that's his character. So he was like that for Mary and Martha and the mourners. But what we're reading these today is to know his character, and his character is that he is angry for you as well. He's sorry. So we're going to read the final bit and then we'll finish our comments. It's not going to go on much longer, but just for you guys to have a think about it.
3: Thank you. Jesus, one more deep he moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad order, for he has been there for days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you, that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took, away the, they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe uh, that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. And the clothes are on his face. Jesus said to them, take off, the, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen.
0: Amen. Again, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So, he doesn't just stop at being angry and being moved, he does something about it. Jesus does. Thing. he is a saviour of action Hallelujah. he doesn't just feel the feelings you know like let's be honest I'll pray for you but I'll actually just go my merry way think me he goes to the tomb and again he's overcome with that same that anger so angry that this is the situation that death has won he knows he's going to raise him from the dead but he's still deeply grieved, and emotional grieving. But that's not the end of the story. It happens so often in John's stories that the audience provides different responses. The same will happen later in the chapter when the Santa dream comes for Jesus to They all have different responses and there's people giving out and everything. But Jesus is a God of action. He could have. It said he chose to leave the right hand of the Father, become flesh among us, live this life, feel. I sometimes, even though I know his person, I do imagine him like this person in robes because of all the pictures floating around. Not really. He knows the end of the story, but never been worried because he knows he got it. But it shows in this story that he felt every pain that we feel. He got angry at that death wind. You know, in the immediate, that's the the go-to-the-land-life. And so just in summary. The plan has always been the same. This tragic event that we've read about was used to glorify God. Our tragic events can be used to glorify God if we trust him if we give them over to him. Jesus' timing is not our timing. That can be painful, but that is okay. We will experience fear and anxiety in life. If his very close friends did, what makes us think that we are so much more past all this? We have a saviour who can help us and guide us, but that doesn't mean we're abstract from suffering and pain. Jesus cares about our lives, our losses on our pain. We can be familiar and share all our disappointments with Jesus. He's not scared by our questions. They miss the point of followers in this story, whether it's his disciples or his close friends Mary or Martha. We will also miss the point of having the humility sometimes to come back to one and say sorry, Lord, and to each other, sorry. We will have eternal life, but we do not wait here, biding our time, waiting on earth, waiting to go to heaven. Life is for living with Christ, and we can have life in the fullest, in his resurrection power, now. We can have healing now. We can have joy now. With his help, Jesus was an- was angry at death and its devastation. It's okay for us to be angry as well at the death and devastation in our life and the unmet expectation. Even though it is all viewed in the light and the hope of who he is, that it will be okay, that he is for you and that he has you in his hands. You are not alone on there.